All right. Well, we're going to go somewhere today, and we're going to stay in the same track of what we've been talking about the last couple of three Sundays. Um, uh, and what we're, what we're talking about, you know, one of our core, core values is that we believe that um, Jesus is everything. So what we are, have been talking about and what we are continue to talk about is actually the centrality of Jesus. Everything for from him and through him and to him are all things. Nothing was made without him. And it's not even, not just materialistic, it's, it's, it's spiritual, it's, it, it's um, well, we're just going to get into it. I don't want to put out too much. So in order for me to get to where I'm going, I'm going to take three things from what we continue to talk about. It seems to be the continual thread that, that I want to continue to bring forward because the Lord is actually set a course or he's actually pointed out something on the compass, on our compass that he's wanting to address and it's all really, really good. And it starts out with this verse. This verse, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. <clears throat> Jesus, uh, like I've said before, was talking to the Sadducees. The Sadducees tried to trick him and said, okay, you know, it, this guy marries this girl and then he dies and then his brother and he marries her and he dies and another brother and then he dies. And so the question is, why do y'all keep marrying this woman? <laughs> Just kidding, sorry, sorry. Sorry. No. <laughs> so at the end, they, they, the trick is, is at the end of the age, they're like, well, whose spouse is she? And he's like, oh, <laughs> uh, your mistake is, is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Okay. So take that as a real time word. I believe that where the Lord is inviting us to go is on a journey in this direction where we know the scriptures and we know the power of God. Yikes, can you imagine a church that knows the scriptures and the power of God? Because right now, you know, I've said it before, it's a dichotomy, it's either or. Either you know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God or you're very familiar with the power of God, but on the scriptures. It's like, no, no, that's dysfunctional. So anyway, so the, um, the number two point that I want to make is that in Acts chapter five, the angel shows up and, 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 and uh, sets loose the, uh, the apostles that have been locked up in jail and gives them this message. Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. The whole message. So, so far we've got, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And also there's an inference here. I want you to speak the whole message of this life. Life is capitalized. That means it's deity. He's pointing to Jesus. The whole message of Jesus. And something about the whole message 
caused me to realize, oh, I'm really familiar with part of the message of this life, but I'm not as familiar as I thought I was with the whole message of this life. And the reason that I'm not as familiar with the whole message of this life is because I don't know the scriptures and I don't know the power of God. But this is all an invitation. This is where we're going. This is where the Holy Spirit is taking this church. I can't speak for all churches. I'm not trying to be exclusive. I'm just responsible for this one. Just like I told first service, you know, one day I'm going to have to give an account for you guys. Pray for you, me. The third thing that I want to take, the point that I want to bring across with us is we had talked about this verse here uh, as it relates to the atonement. And um, not to get too technical on you, but, but basically uh, the, the verse here is where God says, I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. And so the question is, is okay, God, you own all the land north, south, east, and west, including mine, and I'm just renting. And so you, you own my land. I actually own the land, but you understand I'm actually renting because he's actually the owner, and then one day I'll be. <sighs> but I will meet with you. So you own, the, you own the entire earth. You own the galaxies. You own, it's all yours. Why? Are you pointing to this one tract of land, which is 45 inches by 27 inches and saying, I will meet you there. At that point, I will talk to you there. Whoa, what's so special about that place, the atonement cover? It's the place where there's there's the blood was actually shed to atone for our sins. And he's saying, "I, I will meet you there. So you're like, wow, this is, this is kind of puts it in a different perspective. This, you're getting all serious, God. It's like, yeah. And we had talked about, uh, we understand, so I had this chair up here because we had talked about where it talks about in uh, Psalms 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And so we use this as an example. If this were the throne, right now this is a chair. The legs are the foundation of this chair. The scripture is saying that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. It's what he sits on. More importantly, it's not just what he sits on, it's what his government is based on. The government of God, the government of the kingdom of God is about righteousness and justice. And so we were talking about, well, that's true and we believe that that's true. And boy, if that's true, then Adam and Eve really messed up because they violated, they, they did something, they, they did something that he commanded them not to do. And so because of the righteousness and the justice aspect, now God's like, "Ah, you don't understand. Because of what I sit on, justice has to be administered. And so we talked about that. 
And then we see here in Exodus, God is saying to, to, to Moses, I want you to build me this sanctuary and here's the dimensions and here's the layout and here's the materials, everything. And it's gotta be specific. And this is where I will meet you. I will meet you here at this place of sacrifice. And the, the place of sacrifice is the place where the life of the innocent one was substituted for the life of the guilty one. And he said, that, that's, where I'll, that's where I'll talk to you. That's where I can talk to you. That's where I'll meet you. And you're like, wow, that's powerful. Because we know that Jesus is the atonement. It's all about him. The, the other piece of this, of this revelation for me is for the longest time I realized, oh, this is where we stepped off the boat, uh, God, and, and just kind of, you know, did our own thing in sin and we left you. And so for you to say, hey, I need you to come back here and meet me where you got off the boat, I, I, I get that. But it wasn't until recently that I saw a different perspective where because of this throne, which is righteousness and justice, and it's, it's the foundation of his government, he, in, in a sense, is bound by his own government and he can't get to me. I was like, oh, the only way that he could get to me is here, the blood. And for the first time, never saw this, for the first time, I saw the heart of a father trying to get back to his kids, but he was bound, he couldn't get back until the atonement. Now I can get to you. And the blood actually provides a way for him to get to you. So I will meet you there. So that's what I am bringing forward to talk about today. All right. If you have your Bibles, which maybe you turn on your Bibles or open your Bibles to Luke chapter eight. And uh, just for the sake of time, I'm gonna paraphrase. Luke, Luke chapter eight, verse, hey, I hope, um, I don't know how many people, maybe I should do it, maybe I won't do this. How many of you have a photographic memory? Legit photographic memory. Oh, two, oh, God bless you. Where were you when I was in school? Um, but very few of us, don't have one. So I, I tell people this all the time. I've got a good memory, but it's really short. So if you think that you're going to go through these teachings and remember what I'm talking about with, not, with either not writing it down or marking it or following along, you wonder why you didn't do better in school. I'm just kidding. Hey, 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 hey. Don't be hating. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter eight, 
Verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, we're gonna get in the boat. We're gonna go to the other side. So they hop into the boat and take off. Jesus is exhausted. And so he falls asleep and falls asleep. And then a storm comes and it must have, been, what must, must have been a big storm because these fishermen who were professionals were scared for their life. Scared for their life. And so they're rowing as hard as they can, couldn't get forward. Finally, it looks like the, the boat's about to sink. And so they finally go, wake him up. Say, hey, master, don't you care we're about to die? So he's like, what? He gets up, bam, calms the sea, it, it, it speaks, to the, speaks to the wind, speaks to the sea, bam, it calms down. And then he turns around and asks this question. Where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. And so my, my point in bringing this up is, is I want for us to look at this question for ourselves, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Notice he's not, uh, he's not pointing to the amount of faith. We get hung up on the amount. You know, his disciples said, hey, uh, increase our faith. And Jesus was like, uh, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could do this. And we all walk away from that going, oh, I guess I don't have the faith of men. Mine must be microscopic, atomic level. It's, it's, I don't have anything. And basically what he's saying is, it's not the size of the faith that you have, it's your focus. So he's saying, where is your faith? Now, in order for me to answer that question, I would begin to do math. Remember we talked about the math. We're all, we're all mathematicians. My dad's a mathematician. I'm not. But he really is. He can come up with numbers. And I'm like, how in the world? I can't even put them in the calculator that fast. How did you do that? And so, but we're all mathematicians when it comes to spiritual things. And the, here's why I say this. The equation that we all use is if I do, then he will. That's a math equation. Conversely, if I don't, then he won't. It's a math equation. So when he asks, where is your faith? I start doing the math equation. The thing about the math equation is, is if I do, then he will. If I don't, then he won't. The common denominator is me. It's like, oh, snap. The common denominator is me. It's up to me. I'm like, ah. Oh. Now, let me just tell you, for those of you that are sitting out there trying to go through, well, I know somewhere in the word it says this, and I'm going to prove him wrong after this service. It, so... When it comes to sin, if I hold, if I regard iniquity in my heart, scripture says he will not hear from me. Or if I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Conversely, if I don't walk in the light, does the blood of Jesus cleanse me from all sin? So you've got that dynamic. So I want to be careful to put that in there before some people are going, grace! <laughs> anyway. But the question he's asking is, where? Where is your faith? 
So the question denotes that you have faith, but somehow it's been misplaced. So I think if I were to answer that question honestly, I would say my faith is actually in my faith. That's where my faith is. My faith is actually in my faith. It's like, huh. If I have enough faith, then what I'm asking for will happen. But if I don't have enough faith, then it won't happen. Again, there's a, there's a, there's a measure of truth. But it's like I said last week, it flies totally in the face of the faithfulness of God. Totally in the face of the faithfulness of God, which unbeknownst to us is an affront to the cross. It's an affront to the cross. Oh. And so the faithfulness of God looks like this. He is faithful even when I am faithless. Nada, zero, I have none. What, you're still, fa- he's still faithful. Oh. Love it. So, Where is your faith is what we're looking at. So with that, let's move backwards two or three chapters to Luke chapter five. Let's start, well, I'm I'm gonna paraphrase again. Verse 17. So one day Jesus is teaching and he's at someone's house and word gets out and the place is packed. I mean, packed, packed, standing room only. And so there are these five men that were headed that way Four of them could walk, the other one was paralyzed. And so four, 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 four buddies, five friends were carrying this one guy and they're trying to get in, couldn't get in. Went in the back way, went in the front way, there's no way. And so they proceeded to do what any normal person would do. You just climb up on the roof of some stranger's house and tear that sucker apart. <laughs> and, and they took apart the, the, uh, the roof and they let this man down, plop, right in front of Jesus. And it says that Jesus sees their faith. Sees their faith. Like, seriously? Demolition is faith? I could do that all day. No, he saw what was behind that move was they were just so desperate. They said, if we can just get him to Jesus, he's going to be healed. I know it. And so we, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. And Jesus is like, ah, I see that faith. And so he looks at the man and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then this, the religious leaders of the day went, For those of you who don't know what this, it's the karate kid. And they're like, what? Nobody can forgive sins except for God. Who does this guy think he is? Well, then, verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and walk. 
So which is easier? Your sins are forgiven. Or get up and walk. Get up and walk. Or your sins are forgiven. Which, which is easier? What he really means is, which is easier to believe? Hold on, hold on there, class, hold on. <laughs> Which is easier to believe? Your sin, that he'll forgive your sins or he'll heal your body? Oh, oh. So how would you answer that? I think if I were honest, I'd say it's easier to believe that Jesus will forgive my sins. So in the next verse, he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, I was following along just fine until right there. I'm like, what now? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And I thought, you lost me, you lost me. Why, why would you say, I tell you to get up and take your mat and go home? You switched tracks on me. Like, I was, I was just right there. I don't think, I'm thinking, good night. And so the truth of the matter is, he didn't switch tracks. Didn't switch tracks. They're the same. Jeff, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Oh, they're the same. <laughs> and the reason that I, I didn't know that or you didn't know that is because that's how we were taught. And the reason that our teachers were taught that was because that's the way they were taught. And so on and so forth and so on and so forth. But the reason that Jesus is asking the question this way is because he paid for both. Sickness of soul and sickness in body, both. They're in the atonement. Now, let me just tell you, They're the same. The reason, if you're having a hard time with this, it's okay. It came from Becky, didn't come from me. <laughs> if you're having a hard time with this, I just want to tell you what, what this is like, good night, I can't pick that thing up. That's because your, our faith muscles are so weak. That's all it is. So we're going to get a workout today. So I hit this last week, Job 33, 24 says, God speaking, God says, deliver him from going down to the pit of destruction. I have found an atonement or a ransom. Deliver him. 
What this is saying is, is you who are headed towards the pit of destruction, I have found a substitute for you. I found one. Release that man. Release that woman. Release him. I have found an atonement. Now we know, because we've read to the end of the book, that it's Jesus. We know that. But I'm trying to drip feed this into our spirit because there's something that our spirit hasn't caught and our mind has actually come in and just kind of blocked these truths out. But by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is going to be working on each one of our spirits and he's going to open the places that have been shut. So, his life, this atonement, Jesus, his life will satisfy my wrath forever. Not appease it, he satisfies my wrath forever. This is the part where I was like, ah, I mean, I grew up in the church, I went to a Christian uh, school, I went to a Christian college, and I, I knew all the terminology, I knew that the gospel was the good news, and yes, well, what's the good news? It's the gospel, and there's this interplay of these two, but I never knew what it was. I mean, I knew what it was. Jesus came to save sins. Oh, okay, well, all right, great. But it wasn't, nothing Nothing in that changed me, nothing in that wowed me. Even when I would read uh, about the, uh, um, the announcement, in, uh, the Christmas announcement, when, you know, the Christmas announcement <laughs> story, where the, the, the shepherds are out in the field. The shepherds are out in the field, and all of a sudden, wah, the, the heavens open. And the shepherds are sitting there watching and listening and they're saying, good news. We have good news. These beings from another world just came in and said, good news. We're here to announce a savior has been born this day in the city of Bethlehem, the savior. And I'm like, why are they so excited? I don't, I, I don't get that. Is it because of the, you know, just wow, Panorama HD right there before there's electricity. This is, no, no. The, the angels were so excited because they knew uh, from their end the key that was gonna unlock the locked places for us has just been born. Ooh. So, now, let me say this, Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard the word about Christ. What I'm speaking to you is the word about Christ. So the good thing is, Say, Jeff, I still don't have faith. It's okay. It comes. It comes. It's okay. It comes. Faith comes. Relax. Just relax. It comes. In John 1... Verse 29, I want to read this. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, this is a big deal. 
Huge statement. This is a huge statement that he just said right there. Look, the Lamb of God. First of all, you need to know that John the Baptist and Jesus, you knew this, were cousins, but John the Baptist didn't know who the Messiah was. He actually says it. He actually says, you know, it, it, it wasn't until I had this revelation, the one who sent me to baptize said, hey, the one on whom you see the spirit land and remain, that's the one. And so somehow he had gotten this revelation and he said, you know, the, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the key phrase here is takes away. That's the key phrase. Uh, why? Because up until that point, sin could only be covered over for one year. It's the day of atonement. It couldn't take away the sin. It could be, it could be covered for one year. That's what the day of atonement was about. And so John is going, oh, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a, uh, in Leviticus, we don't have enough, I don't, we don't have enough time to go into. In Leviticus, it talks about, there were two animals. There was the one that was going to be sacrificed. There was the one that was called the scapegoat. The scapegoat was chosen and the purpose of the scapegoat was to bring this animal and the priest, the high priest would lay his hands on the forehead of this animal and confess the sins of the entire nation. And then this scapegoat would be released to carry away the sins of the nation. Jesus who's not a scapegoat, he's the lamb of God, oh, takes away the sin of the world. Oh, and he's, oh, so much so that John's disciple, two of John's disciples defected. They're like, that's him? We're going with him. <laughs> not really defect, but you understand. So, Here's what we've got to do. We've got to look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is the premier chapter in the Bible about Jesus, the Messiah, and every, oh, it is amazing. It starts out, we're not going to read this verse, but it starts out, this is a little sad. It starts out, who has believed our message? Who has believed our report? Who has believed our message? And so in Isaiah 53, 11, let's look at that. Now, I need to, I need to say something before we get started. <clears throat> You'll notice on the screen that I have, according to this translation, there are some words that were not capitalized, which I took the liberty to capitalize them. Not monetarily, but just for the sake of this, uh, I capitalize them and I italicize them just so that we could see it helps in understanding who this verse is about, who the author is talking about. So it says, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, what you don't, what I haven't put up here is the verse right before this says, and it pleased him to crush him. Poof. Like that is, it pleased him to crush him. Why? 
to make a way of atonement. We can meet with us right there. That's how I can meet with you. So it pleased the Father to crush him so that he could meet, he could meet with us. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. That's what the atonement is. The atonement is what makes us right with God. It's not your works. It's not my works. It's not trying to do. No, it was what makes us right with God is the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what makes us right, the atonement. And it says that it's the atonement satisfied the wrath of God. It satisfied it. Because of this, God was being pulled, put, tremendously pulled in the direction of righteousness and justice. And just so you know, the enemy, Satan, is standing here accusing you, accusing me. Hey, according to this, righteousness and justice. You ain't nothing if you ain't righteous and justice, God. Look at what they've done. Look at what he's done. Look at what she's done. He will be satisfied. The atonement satisfies the wrath of God towards mankind. Because of his experience, who? Jesus. Because of his experience, my righteous servant, Jesus, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear their sins. Carry them away. John the Baptist. It's him. It's the lamb. It carries away the sins of the world. But that's not all that this chapter talks about. There's another piece. There's another part of the message, the whole message of this life. We back up a few verses. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Scholars have noted that this verse has been mistranslated. The actual translation reads like this. Surely he has borne our, did it not go? Oh, griefs and sorrows. The actual translation is this. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains or diseases. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chast, the punishment, the punishment for our peace. Why punishment? Righteousness and justice. It has to be satisfied or the government is faulty. He has a faulty government. Has to be satisfied. The punishment for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. 
So you could say, yeah, but Jeff, you probably found a commentary or something that's going to be bent towards the way that you believe. And so of course you're going to say, which scholars? No, probably not all the scholars. Well, it's not all the scholars. But what I found is, is that the best scholars are actually found in the Bible. And there is a scholar named Matthew who actually translates this verse. If you care to look at it, it's Matthew chapter 8. verse 16 and 17 says, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what the, what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Can't get any more accurate than that. Just like in regards to our sin, he carried away our sin, he took our infirmities and our diseases and he carried them away. First Peter Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that's the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He did both. He bore our sins in his own body and he was wounded for our healing. He paid for them both. David, in Psalms 103, David says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons or forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases in the same verse. In the same verse. The mercy of forgiveness is the same as the mercy of healing. Yeah, this is good. Who heals all is as permanent as who forgives all. They're found in the atonement, which is easier to say. Oh, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. They're the same. Jeff, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God, but I'm learning. I'll leave you with this verse. Mark 16, 17 and 18. These signs will follow those who believe. Let me pause right here. Some of you are are wrestling with something. Well, then why haven't I seen this, this, and this healed yet? Just hold on. We're gonna get there. First, we have to, Rome wasn't built in a day. We have to plant the seed. This seed has to be planted first before we can move on. But we're going we're gonna to get there. 
These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I believe that the enemy has stolen this truth from the church. Jesus said they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We have somehow interpreted recover to mean instantaneous. It's not. Recovery is a process. The 10 lepers, when they left Jesus, they were healed as they went along. It's a process. Miracles are instantaneous. Miracles happen, bam, just like that. We've misunderstood and we've been looking when we've been praying for people for instant miracles and when we don't see it happen instantaneously, we think that the people we just prayed for were not healed. And the devil tricks us into thinking that they weren't healed. Well, it must be, I don't know what the deal was. I, I prayed as hard as I could. I, I just don't know. It must be my, I just didn't have enough faith. I guess that was it. And it goes back to the math equation. If I do, then he will. If I don't, then he won't. No! It's the faithfulness of Jesus. The faithfulness of Jesus. The absolute faithfulness of Jesus. The devil tricks us into thinking that they weren't healed and he steals our faith from us. He steals it. There's a trade that happens. Oh, and the reason that this happens is because we don't know the scriptures and we don't know the power of God. They will recover. Why? Because he paid for it. It's the same. Do you believe that the person that you pray for that needs to be saved will be saved? Well, yes, Jeff. Then pray that the person that needs to be healed gets healed will be healed. It's the same. It's the same. Which is easier? So the question is, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Our faith is in him and him alone. He paid for it. It has nothing to do with me. Throw that math equation out. Doesn't work. It's an affront to the cross. Now we begin to see, ah, oh, now I begin to see why people are casting crowns at, at his feet every time they see him. They see it. They're like, oh, are you kidding me? It's all him. It's all him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. It's all him. It's all him. I, um, I've told you guys this before. So there's a friend of ours uh, a few years ago, her uh, father passed away and um, uh, he was a believer and uh, she had a dream one night and in the dream, her father called her. And uh, so she answers the phone. And she's like, you know, she's telling me it was Jeff. It's like one of those old seventies phone that was on the wall, you know, with the long cord. Look, Google it for a lot of you. <laughs> And uh, so she's talking to her dad. She's like, hey. And she's, she's so shocked that he's talking to her because she knows in real life that he's passed on. And so she's like, uh, 
you're talking to me. And so at one point she asked him, how are you doing? And he just kind of bypasses that and moves on. And so that gets her nervous because she's thinking, oh, maybe he's not where I think he is. And so she goes, when the conversation opens up, she's like, uh, dad, are, are you okay? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm just having a hard time um, answering that because where I am, there are no self-referential terms. What does that mean? It means they are captured with who he is. They don't, can't even think about themselves. They've not even looked at themselves. They can't because they're so enamored with him. It's him. The beauty of who he is is it captured them. It's captured them. They can't even begin to focus on anything concerning them because we're so caught up in who he is. You have permission to respond. You have permission to respond to him. If you don't respond, the rocks will cry out. The permission to respond to him. Ooh. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Ooh. Ooh. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray, Father, that the awe of the Lord, the awe of God would consume us. Consume us, Lord. Consume us, Lord. Take whatever, take whatever, it's yours, take whatever. Come, we've got to have more of you. We have to have more of you. The awe of God, the God of the now. He's the God of the now, who was and who is and who is to come. He is the same, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same, the same. Lord, I pray for living understanding. Pray you'd open our eyes. We ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We've got to have it. So, Lord, we, we, we don't know what to do. We, we, we don't want to fall into a form. But Lord, we, at the same time, Lord, we, we give you space. We just give you space. Come step. Bring us into your space. Step into our space, Lord. Lord, I ask for every person, Lord, that's struggling with trust struggling to trust you I ask Lord for a special grace special comfort Lord a special peace Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. 
read this yesterday and didn't know if I was going to say this, but in Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd, shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He guides me the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Follow literally means to chase, to pursue, to hound. Goodness and mercy will hound you, will pursue you. It doesn't merely merely mean follow you like it tags along behind you, but it hunts you down. Goodness and mercy hunt you down. He lavishes goodness on you. He makes sure of it even when you are focused on everything that has gone wrong. You're not merely tolerated in his pasture. You're targeted with his intent of goodness. said this last week you are on a collision course with the faithfulness of God collision course it's a collision goodness and mercy they're coming they're coming they're chasing they're coming
protect yourself Just cry out Just reach out And take me in
this is, just stay right where you are. Just keep receiving, keep, you don't have to open your eyes, you don't have to look at me. I just want to read something. I, uh, and I'm not trying to pull you out, I want to read uh, something, but the other morning I was awakened at 4.44 in the morning with a loud knock. Boom, boom, boom! It's actually on my wall um, and uh, thought that my neighbor was maybe having a health crisis or something and he was banging to try to get me to to go outside and so when I looked and it wasn't and so usually when the all the time when that happens the the time corresponds with the verse in scripture so I'll start with Genesis and go all the way through it might not line up with 44 or 444 but you can an interplay on the numbers can be 444 so I found this verse in Ezekiel and Ezekiel 44.4 says this, Then he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the house. And I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord and I fell on my face. never been here before.
So one thing I know is he, he doesn't leave. Um, <clears throat> reason I know that is because I came back here last Sunday night at 6.30. He was here. So Lord, we just say, just keep coming, keep coming. Talks about in Isaiah, the train of the Lord filled the temple and it kept coming, it kept coming, it kept coming. Would you keep coming? I wonder if those of us that have children, if you could send one of your, one of you to, to go pick up the children so that we can relieve the children's workers. You can bring them back in. It's scriptural. Now realize that some of you need to leave. If you need to leave, it's totally fine. We've never been here before. You don't just close out a meeting like this. You just... So Lord, we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, Lord. May the waves of his goodness and mercy overtake you. Refresh you. Go into the places that are without oil where the weariness of life the weariness the gears are really been working really hard I pray that the refreshing of the Lord the oil of his presence would go in to those places in your soul in your spirit in your body into your mind We begin to refresh. We begin to lift off the weariness. Weariness leave in Jesus' name. Weariness, you're dismissed. have permission to receive you 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 have permission to receive the Lord flips that switch to off always on. It's always on. Flip it to off. You have permission to receive. Just keep hearing him say you have permission 
to receive. You have permission to receive. You have permission to let down and receive. You have permission. hearing that scripture come to me all who are weary all who are weary you have permission to receive name it is not your friend affliction leave in Jesus name all infirmity leave in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. Lord, you're the one that opens the door that no man can shut and you shut the door that no man can open. Every door that has been opened to the wrong thing in the name of Jesus, I command it to be shut to death. Everything that's been opened to death be shut in Jesus' name. And every door to life be opened in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Life, 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 life. Life, 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 life. Open up, open up, that the King of glory may come in. Open up, open up, open up, open up, you heavenly gates. Open up, that the King of glory may come in. Open, 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 gates of righteousness. Open, open, open. Life, 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 life.
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. The faithfulness of God. Some of you have felt like you're in a maze and you keep running into the same wall. You can't find your way out. The faithfulness of God. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will bring it to pass. Let him lead. Lord, I pray that as we, when we leave, I pray that your Holy Spirit will not lift off of us. I pray that when you get into your car and you begin to drive, that your Holy Spirit does not lift off of us. When you go to lunch, your Holy Spirit will not lift off. And when we go back home tonight at eight o'clock, your Holy Spirit will not lift off. I pray that tomorrow morning when you're brushing your teeth, the Holy Spirit will not lift off. I pray that this Wednesday when you're checking your mail, the Holy Spirit will not lift off of you. I pray that on Saturday at 1130, the Holy Spirit will have not lifted off of you. I pray that on June the 6th, the Holy Spirit will not lift off of you. I pray that on July the 17th, the Holy Spirit will not lift off of you. I pray that October the 3rd, the Holy Spirit will not lift off of you. Will not lift off. I pray February the 12th, 2020, the Holy Spirit will not lift off of you. He has found a place he has found a place. He will not lift off of you. He has found a place. It's Jesus. He will not lift off. It's Jesus. He has found a resting place. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would cascade over us with your presence. Cascade over us, Lord. Cascade over us, Lord. In our sleep. While we're awake, 
that you would splash off of us and onto our children and their children and their children's children, children until the Lord should return.